Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 195 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where together with my colleagues we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. One of the things that we advise both employers and businesses on is bringing and defending claims in the employment tribunal. And this episode is part of a mini-series describing the process and what goes on when you're involved in an employment tribunal claim or defence. And so it covers all of those issues. For those of you who have listened before, you'll know that in the last episode, I covered the process of disclosure. So disclosure of documents and evidence. And coincidentally, I received a call from somebody who was pursuing a claim against their former employer and they were representing themselves, and they had a number of questions about disclosure. So I was able to send her the link to that episode where she was able to review the content and then confidently prepare the disclosure list herself, of course using the template that we've set up on our DIY documents that can be downloaded for free. So the purpose of these episodes is to give you enough information and guidance to be able to confidently move forward with a claim. So there is quite a bit of detail in each of the episodes about the particular areas and today's episode is no different and I'm going to be covering witness evidence today. If you have any questions or want any assistance or advice about anything that we cover in the podcast or any other topics around employment law then please don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk and alternatively, you can connect with me on LinkedIn where I also provide updates and additional content over and above the podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So as I said, this is an episode in the mini-series about the employment tribunal process. And today I'm going to be covering the issue of witness evidence. Now within the case management order that's given by the employment tribunal, they normally order the exchange of witness statements by a certain date. And the requirement is that you prepare your witness evidence that you're going to rely on at the employment tribunal and you exchange it with the other side on that date. You can exchange sooner if you agree. For example, if somebody's not going to be available, you can agree sooner. And also you can agree slightly later if you need to as well. The employment tribunal orders normally allow for you to agree by mutual agreement up to 14 days advancement of the date that the tribunal have given without applying to the employment tribunal for extra time. Now, in reality, where the parties are corresponding and communicating In a cooperative way, it can be agreed as long as it doesn't impact on the final date for the hearing because quite often witness statements can be exchanged not too long in advance of the hearing. Although I have been noting from more recent orders from the Employment Tribunal that they have been ordering witness statements much earlier in the process and this may be because the Employment Tribunal are asking parties to purposefully prepare And in the hope that once they exchange witness statements, they might be able to agree a settlement once everybody's sort of seen 
the other person's case, it might open up settlement negotiations. And then you have a bit more time between exchange of witness evidence and the hearing to have those negotiations. Or it may just be because there's such a delay in getting cases listed. I suspect it's a bit of both. But these days, as I say, you tend to have to deal with your witness evidence more in advance than you perhaps used to uh, a couple of years ago. So you will get a date from the Employment Tribunal to exchange witness statements. And as I was saying in the previous episode, most cases you're given an order for preparation. So it's not left to the parties to agree. Now, in the event that you don't have an order for preparation, but you have a date for a final hearing, then it's still advisable to liaise with the other party about when you're going to exchange witness statements. So you've got your date to exchange. One of the other things that often comes out of the case management order, particularly if you've had a telephone preliminary case management hearing, is that you will have agreed the number of witnesses that you're going to bring. So it's important, I think, as I said in a few episodes back, to really consider who your witnesses are going to be and what their availability is before that hearing. So if you suddenly find that partway through the case, you actually want to call an additional witness... Uh, so over and above the number that you had agreed with the employment tribunal judge, then it may be that you have to apply to the employment tribunal to amend that to allow you to bring another witness. Now, one thing that the employment tribunal judges are doing at the moment, and they like to do, is to restrict the word count for witness evidence. So they will set a word count at that preliminary hearing so that you can cover the, however many statements you may have, you can't go above that maximum word count. And again, the reason for this is because the employment tribunals like to ensure that things are dealt with in a timely manner and aren't overrunning and that people stick to the key issues. Now, if you have a word count limit and you're preparing your witness evidence and you think, actually, I need more than this, there is a tolerance, again, it's around 5% that you're normally allowed to have in addition to what has been stated by the employment tribunal judge before you have to make an application. But if you're preparing a witness evidence and you think, actually, I'm going to go over the word count because of things I need to cover and the word count that was given by the judge isn't quite right, then you should make an application to the employment tribunal to extend the word count. And of course, you should copy that to the other side. And you'll have course need to let the employment tribunal know why it is you need more words for your witness evidence. Wherever possible however you should try to keep the witness evidence succinct to the point around the main issues and try to stick to the word count wherever possible. But of course you don't want that to be to the detriment of your case so don't be afraid to make an application for an increase in the word count so that you ensure that your witnesses provide all the relevant information. Because let's face it, the documents are great and your claim form sets out the basis of your claim. But really, when it comes to the hearing, it's the evidence that's provided by the witnesses that's going to be crucial to the decision that's made. And I would say that's particularly the case in relation to claims which involve discrimination or more complex claims, perhaps, where there is a panel of three members of the tribunal. In an unfair dismissal case, in a straightforward unfair dismissal case, you will normally only have a judge involved. And judges, on the most part, tend to look more towards the law, uh, whereas the lay people, I think, are, are more likely to be swayed by the witness evidence that they hear. 
that's just my general summation. I'm not saying that's true of every tribunal, but that's my uh, view from my experience. So in short, what I'm saying is don't feel that you need to cut out crucial evidence from your witness statement in order to stick to the word limit. Do apply and explain why it's critical to the issues to have more of a say. So you've got your date for exchange, you know your word count, you've got your number of witnesses, then you need to take their evidence. So that is to obtain their account of events that's relevant to the claims that you're making. So when you're preparing the witness statement, you need to keep in mind what are the claims or the points of your defence in relation to those claims that you need the witnesses to cover. They need to cover the key parts, the key events and the key information that's relevant to your claim or defence. And of course, they also need to cross-refer and introduce into evidence some of the documents in the agreed bundle. So within the witness statement, you would cross-refer to documents with regards to the page number of the bundle. So for example, if you have a line manager who's giving evidence in relation to the defence of a claim for unfair dismissal, the line manager may describe how the hearing went and then refer to the meeting minutes from that hearing and then refer to the dismissal letter and by the page number. So each individual witness should be able to cross-refer to some of the evidence in the bundle that's relevant to your part of the case or defence. Now it's not always the case that witnesses will cross-refer to the bundle of evidence. It may be that they just have a verbal account of events and they don't need to. But in most cases you will be able to cross-refer to some of the evidence. So it's important that when you're talking to your witnesses about their evidence that they have access to a copy of the bundle so that they can review it, refresh their memory and refer to the documents that are relevant to them. So when you're thinking about what witnesses to call, the kind of people, for example, that you would need if you're an employer defending a claim would be the person who made a decision, for example, in relation to dismissal, maybe the person who dealt with the appeal Uh, maybe a key witness in the issue that led to them being dismissed. If you're bringing a claim, it's quite often rare to have additional witnesses, I have to say. Many times it's just the employee who's making the claim. And the reason for that is because often other employees don't want to be involved because they are still employed. Or it might be that there just aren't any other witnesses that are relevant to the issues. Quite often I'm asked about whether somebody's partner, mum, dad, auntie, uncle, who was around at the time that the individual was going through whatever their claim is about, can bring evidence and make a statement. And the answer to that is unless they've got first-hand account of events, so they, they saw the events firsthand, there's no point really in them providing a witness statement which just says, so-and-so said to me, because that's Uh, hearsay. It's not their account of events. So it's best to stick really to the critical people who witnessed the events that are relevant to the case. Now when it comes to preparing the statement, it should be in numbered paragraph format and it should start with the individual's name and address. Now it may be if it's an individual who's giving a statement on behalf of their employer they will put their professional address. So my name is Joe Bloggs, 
and my work address is because they won't want the other side or the other party to know their home address, for example. So you don't have to put your home address, you can put your work address. And then you would state what your capacity is for that party or your relevance to the claim. So for example, I am the claimant in this case or I am the line manager for the respondent. And then you go into the evidence that they're giving. Then at the end, you sign off with the statement of truth to declare that what they've said is true and correct. And then normally you add the word count at the end. And if you're preparing the statement in word, you may already know this, but it will tell you the word count at the bottom. So I just tend to use that word count to make life easier. And you just pop that in the bottom. Now, if you are preparing a statement on behalf of somebody else so they've told you what their account of events is and you're interpreting that and putting it into statement format it's really important to ensure that the person whose evidence it is has read it thoroughly understands exactly what they're saying confirms it's correct and that it's also in their own words the worst thing that can happen is when somebody is giving their witness evidence and they're asked a question and they say, I don't know, and it's relevant to their statement, somebody else prepared that for me. I've seen it happen and it's really cringeworthy when the person is asked a question about their statement, they don't know, and then in cross-examination, they're asked, well, it's your statement, how do you not know? And then they say, well, my solicitor prepared it for me. That is really bad in terms of the evidence and the credibility of that witness. So I can't stress enough, you need to make sure that the individual changes it, even if it means that they change the language so it's exactly how they would say it. It's better that it's in their voice than it being a formal a formal wording, for example. So make sure they have plenty of time to read it through, uh, review the documents, understand exactly what they're saying and that it is their own words. So actually preparing the witness statements is quite a long and onerous task, but once you get into it, it is just, in essence, storytelling. You're storytelling somebody's version of events in relation to those specific claims. The hardest thing about witness statements and witness evidence, and certainly even for us solicitors, preparing them for others, is trying to keep the issues to the things that are most relevant. So keeping the statement to the most relevant points of the claim. Sometimes people can want to use it as an opportunity to say absolutely everything that they want to say and get it off their chest, whether it's relevant or not. And it's important to consider that actually the key information that's relevant to the case may be diluted by all the additional kind of rubbish that they want to put in around it, if you like. So it It is storytelling. It can be easy to do once you get into it, but actually once it comes to sort of narrowing the issues, it can be quite tricky. And that's why I say you should always keep in mind what the legal issues are, referring back to the claim and the defence, and also what has been agreed by the Employment Tribunal are the legal issues that they will decide. Now, when it comes to exchange of the witness statements, you should exchange signed copies If you don't yet have a signed copy, for example, you're waiting for the post, then you can exchange an unsigned copy 
and say you're just waiting for the signed copy to come in the post. That's acceptable to do as long as you let the other party know that's what you're doing and that's in so that you can meet the deadline for exchange, for example. It's really important to try to exchange at the same time, so agree the time of day rather than you sending off your statements on the day that you're required to in the morning, for example, and then not hearing back. What you want to happen is there's no opportunity for the other party to change their statement having read yours. So try and agree the time that you're going to exchange them normally by email. Now, one of the questions I'm often asked is about calling witnesses who are, have relevant information but may not be willing to attend on your behalf. Now, you can apply for a witness order, so an order that someone is required to attend and give evidence. Now, my advice in relation to this is that it's not advisable to do this unless you know what the other party is going to say and you're quite clear that they are going to support your case. The danger of bringing a witness reluctantly to the employment tribunal is that you don't know what they're going to say and and it may very well just blow your whole case out of the water or your whole defence out of the water. Sometimes there are witnesses who, for professional reasons or whatever reason, may say that they would like to give evidence for you, but they're not able to, and so then they might require you to obtain a witness order, although that is fairly rare, and it's rare that an employee will say that they would like to give evidence, but they can't because their employer would say no otherwise. And at that point, you would obtain a witness order. It's very rare that that happens. Normally, I would say, look, if they're reluctant to give a statement because of the impact it might have on their employment, are they going to really come into the employment tribunal and say something that is damning to their employment and therefore could impact them? So, yes, you can obtain a witness order to compel somebody to attend by asking the employment tribunal to do so. But it's not advisable, in my view, to do so. And finally, to round things off, the other question I'm often asked is, if somebody provides a witness statement, do they actually have to attend at the employment tribunal? Well, the answer to this is yes. If you obtain a witness statement, then they must be required to attend to give that evidence orally and to be cross-examined. The times in which they don't have to attend is where you agree, for example, the evidence with the other party. If it's pretty non-controversial and everybody's in agreement, then you can sometimes agree that they don't attend. But again, tactically, it's very rare that this happens because each party will want the opportunity to cross-examine that person on their evidence. So again, if you have someone who would like to provide evidence for you, it's important that you understand their dates of availability so that you can ensure that the final hearing is listed for a time that they are available to attend. So there we have it. That's the episode on witness evidence, uh, witness statements, obtaining witness evidence and exchanging statements. If you have any questions about anything that I've covered in this episode of the podcast or you're in the process of either bringing or defending a claim and you're not sure what to do with regards to the witness statements, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. As I said earlier, the witness evidence can be really critical to whether a claim 
is successful or not, or a defense is successful or not. So getting the witness evidence right can be crucial. And that's a point in which you may want to invest in legal assistance to help you with the case. If you have any questions or you want some advice, then don't hesitate to get in touch. You can call the office on 01983 897 003 and myself or one of my colleagues would be happy to chat with you. Before I just round off, I just want to add that I am looking for an experienced employment solicitor to join my team. It's a remote working position so you can work from home and we work for a very friendly team. We have a great team. We do a lot of good quality work for both employers and employees. There's great benefits in salary and the ability to work flexibly as well. So if you or anyone you know might be looking for an opportunity to work as an employment solicitor and you're fully qualified with at least three years experience, then I would love to hear from you. And if you're a listener to the podcast and you know someone who might be looking for a job, then it would be fantastic if you could put their details my way or put my details to them. I'd be very grateful as I'm trying to grow the team here at Real Employment or Advice so we can provide more advice and assistance to others. Thanks very much for listening. I hope that you have a fantastic two weeks ahead and look forward to bringing you the podcast in two weeks time. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice. 